Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Freedom from the Struggle podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Corelli. This is episode four of season one, and I've entitled this episode, Why Me? Undoubtedly, somebody who is suffering from a spiritual demonic attack has said to themselves, why me? Or why is this happening to me? And what we attempt to do in this episode is answer that question. Now, before we jump into the episode, I I have to give a little disclaimer here. This podcast is still very small and we're working to grow it, but we are starting to see some interactions. And um, undoubtedly, like in my career, I've already received an interaction where I am accused of being obsessed with demons. Now, I want to address this because I think it's something that we should get out of the way so it's not an issue going forward with this podcast. I can assure you I am not obsessed with demons. I am obsessed with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. My story is one of ups and downs in terms of my spiritual journey, and I've made several humongous mistakes in my life, even throughout ministry, and have only been saved from myself by the grace of Jesus Christ. My love for him is immense. And unfortunately, or blessedly, however you choose to look at it, God has gifted me with a gift of discernment. And I have been able to see demons, have interacted with demons since I was four years old. So I'm not sure that um, you can accuse me of being obsessed with demons when as a four-year-old against my will, I was forced to uh, have a demon that watched me sleep most nights of my life throughout most of my childhood. Um, that's not a topic I chose. It's a topic that was, um, uh, bestowed on me for some purpose that I don't really understand even to this day. But I think the bigger issue is that, um, I think we've come out of a time in our church, um, history where everything was very seeker oriented. And I think we're kind of working out of that season right now. But throughout the last handful of years or even decade or so, we have watched pastors and preachers that are afraid to really discuss the topics like demons and sin because they were trying to grow their churches and um, reach people that maybe were unchurched and didn't want to offend them. I'm not saying I agree with that. And I've also worked in churches that that was the focus. But I think now the state of our world doesn't afford us that ability anymore. As I said in an earlier episode, evil is everywhere. It doesn't hide. And people are forced because of the the state of the of the world right now to really look at their belief system and where evil comes from and are there demons. And so deliverance ministers are kind of coming back to the surface because people are realizing that there's so much evil. This is beyond the evil that human beings in and of themselves can muster. And trust me, in our flesh, we can be very sinful and very evil. But there, to me, is obviously a a grander scheme that is at play. And I believe we're working towards the days of the Antichrist. And, you know, some people may dispute that as well. But I think if you look at Uh, the scriptures and what we would say is the signs of the times, it looks like we're a whole lot closer now than what we've ever been. And so unfortunately, those of us who were thrust into or chose 
um, or maybe we're chosen for deliverance ministry, we're forced to study this topic a whole lot more than most mainstream pastors or pastors with different uh, foci or focuses. So what I want to do is give you a heartfelt explanation. I am not obsessed with demons. This is not a topic I would have chosen. Trust me. I wish God would have just allowed me to be a teacher and a preacher because that's actually in my humanness what I loved when I was working in vocational ministry. But because of my life experiences, God um, put me in places where people seeking deliverance ministry found me and it became something that I did and and something that I continue to try to help uh, people with. So therefore, I am somebody who has studied the topic a lot. But because a lot of mainstream pastors and mainstream Christians or what I would call the religious, um, they accuse some of us of being obsessed with demons because that's all they ever hear us talk about. And in fairness, I guess I can understand that because there are, there probably are ministers that are completely focused on uh, other topics and I can see where the accusation can form in your head. But for me personally, my goal is to help people find the love of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of this podcast is to help those who are struggling in spiritual warfare to be able to find that loving grace of Jesus Christ. In other podcasts, there might be different topics. This podcast just happens to be one of them. So let's talk a little bit about the mainstream pastors. Um, a little more in detail because right now there is also a group of pastors or teachers that would call themselves cessationists. There's even a movie that's coming out, uh, might be released by the time you hear this, um, about cessationists. I think it's called cessationist. And they believe that the spiritual gifts died with the apostles and that there are no spiritual gifts. And people like me who claim them are misguided or misled. Um, and their arguments, um, I heard one gentleman, and I'm not, I won't mention his name because I'm not in the mood to pick fights with ministers, but um, he is a very, very well-known Bible teacher, theologian. And he, he made a comment on a, a panel he was in where he said, let's be honest, people who claim to have spiritual gifts may not be as versed in the Bible as others. And then he said, R.C. Sproul or Spurgeon, these people never claim to have demonic gifts. And wouldn't God be much more likely to give people like that spiritual gifts, people that fully understand the Bible more than uh, these kind of uh, renegade type uh, people? And what I did is I chuckled because... I got to be honest with you, the Bible, especially if you read from start to finish, is full of God giving the wrong people his divine um, tasks. Moses was a murderer. Abraham, an adulterer and a, and a person who chose to reach outside of his marriage to try to make a promise of God happen sooner than it did. David, an adulterer, 
um, or maybe even deeper than that, depending on how far you want to go into what it's truly called for a person in position of trust to go summon a neighbor girl to come up and impregnate her. People might call that something even deeper. You have Peter, who was a hothead, who became a huge leader of the church. You have Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, who became the writer of the bulk of the New Testament. So God has constantly tasked what humans would call the wrong people to do his ministry. So when I heard this pastor cessationist saying that God would only gift these profoundly perfect people, I had to chuckle because it's like, you're accusing us of not knowing scriptures, but are you so blinded in your belief system that you're not seeing that the words that came out of your mouth don't even make sense in light of scripture? So with that being said, um, I, I want to kind of address the fact that if you are a mainstream Christian or a mainstream pastor who stumbles upon this and you don't believe in deliverance ministry or you don't believe that the spiritual gifts exist at this time, do me a favor. I ask that you politely find another podcast and move on because the purpose of this podcast is not for people that are struggling to hear Christians debate. The purpose of this podcast is for these people to find help. And in my weaknesses, I can say that as a vocational minister, there were things that I were good at and there were things that I wasn't good at. There were topics that I hadn't studied and didn't know much about. And then there were topics that I knew more about than maybe the other pastors on staff. And so what we always did is we always said, let's try to guide people to the help that they need, which is the people that have the knowledge and education in that area. And so even if you don't believe in demonic attacks and possession um, or pastors being gifted or even lay people being gifted with the gifts of the spirit to do deliverance ministry, you probably still aren't the one to help the people that are claiming spiritual warfare. It's still better to guide them to people with more knowledge in this topic. So I hope that doesn't come across as adversarial, more as a plea to keep this place sacred ground for people who are reaching out for a specific type of help that myself and hopefully an army of people listening can provide to them. And so I hope you understand that what I'm saying is we can't get lost in the question, what about the people who need this help? We can't make this about us. We have to make this about them finding the loving grace of Jesus Christ. And that's what we shoot uh, to do here at the Freedom From the Struggle podcast. Now, with that being said, I would like to do a quick overview of the demons. Now, if you listen to the previous podcast, you heard me talk about my belief that the demons are not the angels that fell with the rebellion uh, with Satan from heaven. Um, because scriptures tell us that those angels were sent to earth, to the center of the earth, what we would call hell, to be bound in chains until a later time of judgment, basically. Paraphrase, of course. And then 
We've also um, maybe been taught that there was a group of angels that came down in what I would call the second rebellion. We read about in Genesis chapter six, where a group of angels uh, chose to kind of break the heavenly earthly barrier and come and have sex with human women. I believe that these angels were called the watchers um, or uh, the Bene Elohim, um, the sons of God, as we read in scripture and, you know, that's getting into languages and stuff, which we don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole in this podcast. But these were angels that decided to rebel against God and have sex with human women and have a hybrid race of people called the Nephilim or the Nephilim. And during the flood, God realized that human basically blood was tainted. Uh, human DNA was tainted with the, the blood of the Nephilim. And there was only one man and his family that were spared uh, in the flood. And we learned that that man is Noah. But the Bible says that there were Nephilim in those days and then also after. So this DNA somehow um, carried throughout uh, history, even after the flood. And, you know, we can get into was that through the the wives of Noah's sons was that through, um, you know, some different theories, which would, which would maybe be, be, you know, some sort of rituals that certain people were able to do to resummon that, you know, and, and that is way deeper than I want to go here, but probably will end up touching somewhere down the road in this podcast, because when you hear about, um, you know, certain people being really hairy, like Esau, so much so that, uh, Jacob was able to deceive his father by putting sheepskin on himself. How would a man be so hairy unless maybe he had some sort of Nephilim DNA? Um, and you see how that can get very tricky. So like I said, we'll cover that a little more in detail. But um, these hybrid race of people seem to have even survived the flood but remember that when the Nephilim were killed in the flood, their spirits, where did they go? Well, again, in my previous teaching, we learned that, and especially through an extra canonical book called the book of first Enoch, um, it's not in the Bible, but it has some valuable stuff to it. Jewish people have studied it. It's even in some earlier versions of the Bible, and we won't get into that. I believe that the canon we have is what we would consider the Bible, but I also believe that it doesn't hurt to look at some of these extra canonical writings. And we learned that these Nephilim, their spirits were cursed to roam the earth, and that is who the demons are in my belief system. And that is important because these Nephilim hate not being in their human body anymore. And so that would make some sense in terms of what demons are trying to do. Remember, we learn in John 10, 10 that uh, the enemy wants to kill, steal and destroy. And, uh, you know, part of that would be through um, gaining access or permission to literally possess a body. And so that's the ultimate goal of a demon. Now, when you think of how scary that could be, that there are countless uh, spirits evil spirits that are out to destroy us, um, you know, that can kind of give you, that's kind of what, the, what would they call that nightmare fuel. However, that's not the purpose of what I'm trying to teach you. I'm just trying to teach you that there is a force, a hierarchy of evil spirits that are, that have a huge global plan 
that are working that out through the lives of human beings, because what a better way to get back at the God that they rebelled against is by tearing apart his favorite creation. And so what I want to do is kind of maybe break apart some more belief systems like we did last time, but I want to be delicate. So what I want to do is talk about what, what I would say paranormal theory states about the interactions between evil spirits or demons and human beings. Now, when I say paranormal theory, it's because this is not necessarily what I subscribe to, but when working with people or talking about this subject, it's usually talked about in terms of these theories. So let's start with maybe what I would consider the primary theory or the most common theory of demonic interaction or the stages of demonic interaction. And the primary theory would say that the first stage is what's called infestation. And infestation means just like if you had a, a pest infestation, like a mouse infestation, they're scratching in the walls. There's evidence of them everywhere. They're starting to influence the external part of your life. Um, they're keeping you up at night, but they're making themselves evident. And then paranormal theory would say in this, in this three stage theory that Stage two would be oppression. And this is where it goes from being external to where it's beginning to personally attack you. You might be touched. You might be shaken. You might be um, uh, attacked verbally. Your nightmares may be uh, become very vivid and very um, uh, profound, um, but it's wearing you down. It's oppressing you in the truest sense of the word. And then the third stage, of course, would be possession. And this would be where an evil spirit actually takes possession of your body. That's where we get these terms. Now, there's another theory that would say that there is a fourth um, stage that fits in between oppression and possession. And that stage was is called obsession. And this paranormal theory says that you are basically beyond oppressed. Your daily thoughts, your whole life is just trying to figure out a way out of this, but it is now your topic. You are obsessed of trying to find some solution because you know that your end is near. And then of course that would lead to very quickly possession. And then there's actually another theory that says there's a fifth stage that works after possession. And that would be called integration. I don't like this theory. I'm not really sure, um, you know, how, in depth we can go with this but definitely not in this episode but integration would mean that you are no longer there your soul is in hell it's been taken away and the demon literally has fully integrated itself into your body um i've heard some uh demonologists and even a couple ministers say they believe in this because there are people that function in the world that have no humanity anymore they're so evil they are so um, unempathetic to the fact that there's other human beings. They're all objects and they're all a means to an end. And so that's where they get this theory. Now, I'm going to give you something that may, may offend you, but it's not really my intention. Um, I'm not somebody who really puts myself in a place where I subscribe to any of those paranormal theories. Again, I do have to kind of be 
mindful of the fact that if I walk in and say to somebody who is struggling with demonic attack, you know, where are we at? Where, where do you think you're at in, in terms of, of, uh, this spiritual attack? What are your, um, symptoms or what's going on? You will quickly find that a lot of these people will use this terminology because during the beginning stages, they begin to do research. Maybe they watched a lot of paranormal programming. And so everything they're speaking of comes through these terms. And I'm not sure how helpful it is for me to come in and say, well, let's debate about if these terms are even real because we're wasting time. But outside of those interactions, which we are sitting right now, I'm not somebody who subscribes to these because once a demon has set its sights on you and you've allowed a certain level of permissions or you've opened a certain amount of doors and this demon is now attached to you, to use another term, I don't care what stage you're in. I know what the demon's trying to do. So whether it's attached to you or possessing you, those terms don't mean anything to me because we have to get you free from the bonds of this demon. And so you'll hear some deliverance ministers that just outright um, deny these terms and, and I would say adamantly deny them. And I'm okay with that. My approach just tends to be, let's not worry about that. Let's worry about getting you some healing through the grace of Jesus Christ. And so how demons interact with us is simple. You're assigned demons. Some of us have familial demons that were attached to us at birth because of some pact or some covenant, blood covenant, um, that was put on a family, maybe generations prior. But every demonic interaction is basically achieved through a series of permissions Um, I always use the term doors. So by opening the first door, doesn't mean you're on your way to possession, but it is the first step to getting to that. And so again, picture in your head that a demon who has been assigned to you is trying to work on you, is trying to break you down and try to gain a series of permissions. And even Christians who are not focused on God can find themselves opening doors and giving demons permissions to destroy their lives. Um, And so people ask me all the time, so is deliverance ministry only for people that are possessed? No, deliverance ministry is for all of us. Um, I can tell you there's times in my life as a deliverance minister that when people start praying for demons uh, to be removed and strongholds to be released. There's been times where I have felt attachments to me being lifted because we can't be so arrogant to believe that once we obtain some sort of spiritual position in God, that the demons leave us alone. Um, they're always coming for us. The difference may be that when I have the Holy spirit, that that space cannot be occupied um, by a demon, like somebody who does not have the Holy spirit or does not have a relationship with God. Um, and so 
whatever level you're in, in terms of paranormal theory is irrelevant to me. If you're calling a minister or a demonologist, or even if you're into more pagan interventions, if you're calling somebody for help, it's bad because I don't have a bad day and say to myself, man, the demons were really working on me today. I better go call the foremost uh, demonologist in the United States right now. I say some prayers, I give it to God and I move on to the next day. You only call for help when it has progressed to a point where you need deliverance. And that deliverance doesn't come from a minister. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from other deliverance ministers. It comes through the healing grace of Jesus Christ. And again, if you're somebody who isn't a Christian, but you believe you have interventions that might help people with their spiritual problems, um, this might not be the podcast for you, but more importantly, what is the source of those interventions? Because I've actually had conversations with people from different faiths or different philosophies that have said, well, I use demons to put holds on other demons and without being disrespectful, I've said, so you basically are in authority over demons so you can boss one around to battle the other. Yes. Well, who gives you that authority? And their response was, well, you know, that comes from a higher level that you don't understand. And I politely say, well, I don't know if you understand because a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so the only true adversary to demons is Father God, his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. That's who is an adversary to God. And I'll throw this little little thing in here um, just as a way to maybe make my point. Um, there's no religion that is attacked like Christianity and, and, and even the Jewish faith where Christianity comes from because we have the same God. Um, there's no faith that's attacked like this. Yahweh, Father God, is attacked more than any religion by a million miles. And so I've given this example before. You can take a person who is not of faith and you can say to them, hey, let me tell you about my faith. I believe in the toaster. I worship a toaster. And every day I get up, I do my little ceremonial prayers, and I place the bread into the toaster and give thanks and then on certain days, I do things to the toast to show my gratitude and worship. So on certain days, I butter the bread using a ceremonial knife. On other days, I, I make the bread into toast, but then I don't eat it as a sign of sacrifice. And you can hear as I'm talking, some of you who are listening are even chuckling because it sounds ridiculous because it is ridiculous. But I've told people under that same logic, if I start talking about God and Jesus Christ, and you think that's ridiculous, why isn't your response to chuckle and feel sorry for me for being mentally ill? Why is your response to be angry? 
And I've heard people when I've said that say, well, because you Christians have your hands in all of our society and you make me celebrate Christmas. I don't make you celebrate anything. There are several holidays that occur around the time of December. And actually that isn't even really the birth date of Jesus. That's just some pagan uh, religions that were tied to Christianity and made December 25th, the day we celebrate Jesus's birthday, but he was probably born closer to March, April, or May. Um, but there are several holidays that occur during this time, but the only people that really get the beating is Christians. And so I would challenge you that a house divided against itself can't stand. And the only true adversary to the devil is Yahweh, Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, the interventions that will help somebody be delivered from evil is that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father who sent his son to die on the cross, Jesus Christ. And so as theories kind of come and go, I would just ask that you think about who the demons are and why this is important. And more importantly, if you feel you're under attack, that's all we need to know. Um, and if you require intervention, this is what we're here to do is to help you here or to guide you to people that can. So we're going to jump into a personal story here. And then what we'll do is we'll kind of uh, maybe start to give you some resources. So this story basically uh, comes from about 10 years ago uh, where I was called to a home to help um, kind of a, a family, but they also had a roommate. And what happened in this story is um, a friend of a friend gave my number to this gentleman. And uh, so he kind of gave me the lineage. A, a friend of yours knows this guy and he knows me. And they asked me to give you a call because we've had a lot of spiritual activity in our home. And he began to explain what uh, paranormal people would call the infestation phase of a demonic attack, scratching on the walls, um, you know, seeing shadows. And one person saw a shadow and kind of dismissed it, but then the entire family began to see shadows. So it didn't take him long to realize that there was something spiritual going on. Um, the roommate was somebody who wasn't a person of faith, but had attended Christian churches in her younger days. And um, she kind of felt that she could do some research and try to help the family because she had more knowledge basically than the other folks in the house. So she solicited the help of the two teenage boys and they begin to sage the house. And, you know, not to offend anybody, but in my belief system, saging a house is just another way of giving the spirits permissions. It's not a godly intervention. It's a pagan intervention and it probably doesn't do what you think it does. But, um, you know, let's save that debate for another time as well. Uh, I know in this instance, it didn't work well at all. The activity ramped up and it be, it became very easy to see that the primary focus of the demon or demons was uh, the wife in this situation. I am also somebody who very much believes where there's one demon, there are many demons and probably considered a demon with their lower level helpers. 
um, if you want to put it in those terms, but it's usually not one spirit you're dealing with. So this woman began to have severe um, issues in her life, basically deteriorated very quickly. And so they felt that she was, um, you know, at risk of being possessed. Now, again, you know, they're exhibiting the terminologies that they've done through their studies. They admitted to trying to watch a couple of YouTube videos and subsequently watch some shows where interventions were done to try to help people in these situations. And I would challenge you that very few paranormal programs actually show the deliverance interventions. Most of them are basically there to taunt spirits and then leave and leave the family to kind of struggle on their own. Some of the podcasts may have a more, um, you know, empathetic approach, but I'm just, I would say I challenge you that most of them show really no demonic, uh, uh, or deliverance interventions towards the demonic attacks. They're mostly for show, if you will. So that wasn't the place where they should get their knowledge, but they quickly realized they were above their head. And so they somehow got a hold of me. So I took a team and we went there and it wasn't hard to see that this woman was uncomfortable with our presence. And, um, a woman that, uh, would accompany me, uh, on these interventions was a prayer warrior and I'll leave her name out of this, but she was a big prayer warrior and she was very much, um, in tune, um, with the spirit, with the Holy spirit. And so, uh, it revealed to her that it was revealed to her that the wife had been basically in a willful sin of, uh, not only adultery, but, um, adultery with somebody who was very much into the occult and had, participated in some occultic sexual ritualistic behaviors during her affair. And of course, like any of us who delve into willful sin, we do our best to hide it from the world. So when these things started to happen in the house, she wasn't willing to be honest because she felt that being exposed would cause to her marriage. And so probably was hoping that this would go away. But we found this out later because during our prayer with her, she began to manifest the demon or spirits inside of her. Um, and it was, it was a horror show, to be honest with you. The cackling that came from this woman was, it was intense. It was louder than a human should be able to muster. And it was um, very much riveting, um, like rattling your soul. I actually believe that, um, in the, you know, physical world, we would call that infrasound. And if you're not sure what that is, there's some creatures like a lion, their roar is so, uh, full of frequencies that there's actually a very low frequency that we can't hear, but we feel it. So I believe there was some infrasound there. And then she began to spew out personal information about two of the, of the helpers that I had brought with me, things that, that she would have never known on her own. I mean, very embarrassing, um, uh, you know, difficult things to talk about were just spewed out in public. And so, you know, I demanded that the spirit 
shut its mouth in the name of Jesus. And she went, I don't know if it was asleep or more in a catatonic kind of trance, but she just kind of collapsed. And so I basically, you know, kind of prayed with the family and we kind of allowed her to come back to, and, you know, through a, through a deliverance session, we were able to pray the demon out of her and, um, get her to confess that Jesus is Lord. She accepted Jesus. The family accepted Jesus, including the roommate. And we were able to kind of guide them to a local church and kind of get their, their life started in understanding, you know, who Jesus really is. Although they understood in that moment that Jesus saves all of us, even those of us in willful sin. Now, what's amazing to me is the grace of God that allowed the husband to remain with her as she confessed um, what she was struggling with that led to the affair, which led to these uh, sexual ritualistic behaviors. And I used it as a tool for them to understand the series of doors that were open. So you get a woman who has been abused by her father and has an unforgiveness, uh, a hatred. That's a door. Now think of how sensitive that topic is because who am I or anybody to tell somebody to forgive somebody who wounded them? Who am I to say that it's time to get over it and forgive? Can can you see how sensitive that is? That's not my place. However, if I'm fully honest with you, unforgiveness is a big door that when left open, lets demons into the innermost parts of who you are. Um, willful sin is another one. And she had allowed her affair to take her out of her own morality and was doing things sexually that were well beyond normal. And I will not give those details here, even though I'm not really afraid to get graphic. This is just too graphic at this point. And so through a series of doors, you know, big ones, small ones, this demon had gained permission to possess her. And she allowed it not, I wouldn't say out of ignorance, I would say more out of willful disobedience. And I would also not take credit from where credit is due. The demon was methodical. The demon was calculated. The demon wanted her. It wanted her marriage destroyed. It wanted her boys to suffer. It wanted the roommate to have to go. It wanted to destroy this whole family unit. And you can imagine that if the demon was allowed to run rampant, those boys might have then continued in their cycles in what the what psychology would call their cycles or the spiritual attacks would have moved on to them and because they didn't see faith in Jesus as an option it would have came for them and their children and their children and so these these demonic familial spirits that were attacking this woman um worked together in unison with a demon that was assigned to her 
to literally destroy her and her marriage and gain permission over her. Now, you want to talk about scary thought. Who knows what would have happened if they would have not called for help? And I'm not patting myself on the back because, again, I deliver nobody. I just point people to the deliverer, Jesus Christ. I am nobody in and of myself, so I'm no hero. But what if they wouldn't have called us or anybody else for help? Would that woman become homicidal? Would she have become suicidal? Would she have become somebody who destroyed several other people through her behaviors? You see, like getting people to understand evil in its truest form and the sources of that evil allows us to help people in their day-to-day lives. Let me let me take that story and take it a step farther. Put yourself in this position. Have you ever been somewhere and let's say, for example, somebody comes and they say something to you that takes you right out of a good mood into a bad mood. And I'll, I'll, I'll maybe use myself as an example. And I'll, uh, hopefully you find the humor in this, but some of you will also find the rage in this like me. One of my biggest pet peeves on planet Earth is when people on a two-lane road will drive the same speed in the right lane and in the left lane. And you're going faster than both of them, but you cannot pass them because they're going the same speed and one of them won't speed up and move over. They just drive like that. Now, in my humanness, I can tell you that the Christianity in me begins to subside very quickly and the flesh begins to take control. I become angry, rageful sometimes, and I will use some profane terms and some aggressive driving. And sometimes I have to catch myself and say, you know, what's this going to do? But it's an instinct, right? So imagine you're in a place and you have a, a subject like that and you're having a good day and all of a sudden something will occur. And in the blink of an eye, not only does it take away your bad day, but it literally trickles throughout the rest of your day to where by the time you go to bed at night, that good day was destroyed and you've caused all kinds of damage to yourself and others. Some people say, well, that's just life or that's just the way it goes sometimes. Other people will say, you know, well, you're just ascribing spirituality to just natural consequences of life. I don't believe that. I believe that that good day could have led to great things later on in the day and a spirit or spirits were assigned to you that day to tear that apart. I believe that. Now, does every bad thing that happened to you come from a spirit? I'm not saying that either, but I am saying that more oftentimes than not, if you can go back and look at your life, you are somebody who has been attacked in some way, shape or form. Now, what is the solution? Is the solution to live a perfect life? No, we can't do that. Jesus came to earth to die for us because none of us are perfect. It was a substitutionary death. And that death um, is a free gift if we'll accept it. 
somebody died in your place, but you can't suffer the positive effects of that unless you accept that and embrace it. I once saw a video where somebody said, well, if it's a free gift, why doesn't everybody have it? And the person said, well, picture a bottle of water. If you're thirsty and I hand you a bottle of water, is your thirst quenched? No, you have to open the bottle and drink it. Well, very much is the same with Jesus. If you want that loving grace to be the substitute for your imperfect life, you have to accept Jesus into your life. Remember, we don't get to heaven through our works. The Bible says it doesn't work like that. It's not through works, so you can't boast or you can't brag that it was you. It is by grace. It is a free gift. And so if we can't get to heaven unless we're perfect, we can't be perfect. We have to accept the perfect righteousness of Jesus in our place. And that is where your spiritual battles are won and lost. This enemy has already been defeated. So when you're feeling demonic attack or you're feeling the struggles of a um, oppression, quote unquote, that uh, paranormal folks would tell you, you have to remember where your source is. You can cry out to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, because you are his child and he will not only accept that plea, he will intervene on your behalf. And so the key is, is to live in that grace, to live in that presence and keep the doors closed. When one of them's open, recognize it, shut it, and be on guard for the next time. And you will literally be able to avoid the flaming arrows of the enemy by understanding how much you are loved. This enemy has already been defeated. And the defeater of this enemy is the lover of your soul. He loves you more than any human will ever love you. And if that enemy has been defeated, crawling up into the presence, into the arms of Jesus, keeps these demonic attacks to a minimum. And, and that term is too, is too basic, but I, I want to keep this as basic as I can. You can't fight this enemy by yourself. The good news is, is you don't have to. And so why me? The answer to that question is simple. Because you allowed some doors to be open. You gave some permissions. And you know what? Repent, pray, give them away, and get back into that grace. That's what we're trying to do here. So one more story I want to tell you, and it's a story that um, I will paraphrase from my first book, The Struggle. And again, I'm not really focused on selling a lot of books here, but if you are interested, I have a book series called The Struggle Series, episodes. Books one and two are out. The first one is The Struggle. The second one is called The Sacrifice. And The Return is at the publisher. We're still probably a handful of months away, but we're hoping to release that sooner than later. Um, And um, if you're interested, you can find that at thestruggleseries.com. It's where books are sold uh, everywhere. Now, in the struggle, um, towards the end of the book, uh, in the climax, somebody who is in who is steeped in sin 
and steeped in a demonic possession is able to find relief from their spiritual possession by giving their life to Jesus Christ. And at the end of the book, there are many people that would consider it not fair to that certain types of people will get forgiven, will gain forgiveness. And I challenge you that one of the ways that a demon can gain access to you, like I said, is through unforgiveness. And more importantly, you can take that a step farther and say one of the ways it gains permission is from self-righteousness. So I've had lots of people that ask me lots of crazy questions. And one of the questions I get asked is, so are you telling me that so-and-so who committed this heinous crime is going to be forgiven and will be in heaven. And I, I have to always take a step back because I have to remember that this is a very common um, theology amongst Christians. Um, that their sins are minor and the sins of others are major. But remember, you are saved by grace through through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. You were not saved because you live a perfect life. You are saved because you were imperfect, but you put your faith in the one that is perfect. If you're a gossip, you can cause serious damage to people. But most gossips don't believe that their sin is anywhere near the sin of somebody who has, um, let's say, been an arsonist and burned down people's homes. They would say, well, sometimes I tell some stories about things that I heard, but I've never burned down a house. But I would challenge you that if you've ever been the victim of a gossip, somebody who's had their character destroyed on a lie, they did burn your house down. Your spiritual house. They wounded you severely. And you find yourself explaining that the things that were said about you weren't true. And even then, most times people don't believe you. They believe the first story. You've lost friendships. You've lost relationships, maybe lost jobs because of somebody's lying, gossiping, bearing false witness, as it would say in the, in the 10 commandments, that sin will burn down a house. And the very fact that you think that that sin is minor and other sins are major, that's self-righteousness. So what I, what I want to say is that there's deliverance for everybody. If you are somebody who has been told that you're unforgivable or the things that you've done disqualify you, that's a lie from the devil himself straight out of hell. 
There is forgiveness for everybody who will accept it. If you're somebody who keeps telling yourself that you don't deserve forgiveness, that is a lie from the devil coming from within you. And that is also not true. And there is forgiveness for you. Many people will not be delivered because somewhere in themselves, they're so embarrassed or ashamed of what they've done. The solution is to repent, to put that behind you and to trust that God, his grace covers a multitude of sins, covers all sins, except for the denial of the Holy Spirit, which is way big theological concept, which is basically saying you understand who God is, but you refuse it. There is forgiveness for you. And that's what we're here to teach you. So as we wrap up today, I want to give you a couple of recommendations. These are people that I listen to. These are people that might be able to educate you on um, spirits, demons, spiritual warfare. These are people that can um, maybe help you beyond this podcast. Um, These are people that are in my, um, uh, I'm subscribed to, they're in my podcast, in my downloads, my teachers, if you will. Uh, there's a couple amazing pastors, Mike Signorelli, or he calls himself Signorelli, uh, Alexander Pagani. Um, these are gentlemen out of New York, right in the heat of the battle of a very um, godless place. These gentlemen are deliverance ministers to the nth. I would say that just they probably don't agree with everything I, I say, and I don't agree with everything they say, but these guys are solid guys, solid teachers worth listening to. Another teacher of mine is a gentleman named Troy Brewer crazy out of the box tell it like it is guy i love him uh very very much willing to speak on topics that most people aren't um and will teach you some outlandish things about bigfoot aliens all the things that uh like i said mainstream pastors won't touch but will back it up with bible um a gentleman that recently passed away this year by the name of michael heiser probably one of the foremost uh bible t- uh, scholars of our time will definitely break apart things about the Nephilim, the Elohim, um, you know, passages of scripture that Christians have often bypassed because they don't make sense in terms of our Western belief systems. He can help you with that. Um, some other just amazing teachers, Joseph Z, Alan DiDio, uh, Mark Driscoll. And these are people that may not always agree even with each other, but these are just resources I want to put in your lap. I want to thank you again for joining us here on Freedom from the Struggle podcast. Just a reminder, just like any other growing podcast, we're going to ask that you like, subscribe, hit that thumbs up, leave us some reviews, share this with a friend if you don't mind. Our Patreon is up and running. Um, There's two tiers on there. The $5 tier will allow you to some bonus content as well as the back catalog. Uh, The $1 tier will also allow you to the back catalog and also will try to give you a shout out on the air if you join. Um, and so, um, lastly, I just want to say a little prayer for us as we close out today. And I want to pray for anybody who's thinking about calling in and maybe try to bind a spirit, uh, to give you some opportunity to give us a call and uh, reach out for help. Heavenly father, I pray for the people listening to this podcast. I pray that their eyes would be opened to the realities of spiritual warfare. 
I pray for anybody who's struggling. Right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that any evil spirits that are attacking them, you are bound. You are silenced. You are forced by the blood of Jesus Christ to give this person the opportunity to reach out for help. You are not allowed to hinder their request for help in the name of Jesus. And if you are somebody who is struggling right now, remember that Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. His forgiveness is for you. He died for you. He bled through his tears and sweat at Gethsemane before he went to the cross, knowing that you needed his help. That is who Jesus is. He desires to help you. So don't listen to the voices that say you can't be helped. Don't listen to that. And and Jesus, as I put those words out there, I pray that you let them infiltrate the lives of the people hearing this. Jesus, send your spirit to guide them. Send your angels to guide their path. Jesus, speak to them in their hearts. Show them who you are and how real you are. And God, let them find help wherever it is that you want them to go. And if it's through this podcast, let them reach out and let us be a support to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, if you are somebody who feels compelled to reach out for help, you could send me a request on anthony at thestruggleseries.com. I'll be looking for your email. Make sure you give me a nice subject line so I can read through it and uh, leave me some contact information and we'll contact you. If you are somebody who wants to use your story on the air, we may record you or we may simply gain your permission to retell your story and uh, put out prayer requests to all of those who are listening. Thanks again for calling uh, in advance because I know that there's going to be voices that are telling you not to, but you will um, be blessed when you reach out for help, not cursed, because Jesus loves you and desires to help you. Thanks for listening and many blessings to you. We'll see you next time.